Hey, Whitewater. How you guys doing? When I was younger, I used to work as a, uh, as a manager of an assembly line in central Kentucky. I ran a 12-person assembly line, and um, none of us knew each other when we got started. We all got started at the same time. None of us knew each other. But uh, after the first few months, we were pretty close. And we had one major thing. There were a lot of things we did, you know, a good team. But there was one major thing that really drew everybody together. And that was every Friday over lunch, the whole crew except me would go out and buy lottery tickets together. And they would all, everybody thought they were going to make it rich. They were going to, you know, break it wide open at the lotto and the Kentucky lotto. So uh, I, I, every week I was like, guys, a government lottery is a tax on people that are bad at math. But nobody believed me, all right? So they would go and buy their lottery tickets anyway. Be honest, anybody buy a lottery ticket this week? Anybody win? Uh, so every Friday they'd buy their lottery tickets uh, on break. And then all Friday afternoon, all we would hear about is what they were going to do if slash when they want, right? And so all Friday afternoon was just hearing about what they were gonna do when they want. And it was fascinating to realize what people were gonna do when they want. So there were a couple girls who kinda wanted new wardrobes, right? And, uh, and there was a little bit of talk about paying off mortgages or medical debt or whatever. Everybody talked about their dream car. That was a common, uh, common topic of conversation over the course of six, eight months. But uh, the number one thing that people talked about the number one thing that they fantasized about was how they would give the money away. The things that they would want to give to, if they had a quadrillion dollars, right, whatever the Kentucky Powerball was, if they had all this money, this is how I would like to give it away. I'd, uh, I'd pay off my parents' house, right? I'd pay off my brother's school bills. I'd, I'd take my whole family on this vacation that we've always wanted to take together, right? This is what I would do if I was able to. I would love to be generous. People had causes they cared about, people had hardships that they thought they could, to, could solve, they had uh, people that they wanted to take care of, people wanted to be generous. Now it was a temp job, the pay wasn't great, nobody in the team was on a good financial situation, and, but everybody's biggest dream was generosity. I've never forgotten that, and I don't think that our team was unique in that. I think most people want to be generous. Today we're kicking off a new series about to look, uh, look at this together as a family. What does it mean to be generous, especially as a Christian, right? What is God's heart for generosity? Now, before we go on, I need to address something. I know that some, not most of you, but some people in the room, naturally suspicious and cynical types. I know that because I'm one, so there's at least one in the room. And um, you're thinking that there's a conflict of interest when the pastor talks about generosity, right? Like, Thank you. For, I saw somebody nod, so that's good. All right. Um, this guy's talking about giving money to the church, and he works for the church. And, and so I get it. Um, I've got two things to say to that. First of all, this series is not actually about that. It's about generosity, all right, no matter where it's directed. Now, I love the church in, uh, in general. I love this church in particular, and I'm not going to apologize for that. But if cynicism or suspicion means that you... Uh, are in danger of checking out of this and just not listening to what I'm saying, I give you uh, pastoral permission to any time I talk about something that sounds like I might be talking about giving to the church, you can sub in your favorite charity, okay? So let's just not get hung up on that. Um, I will say this, all right? I'm gonna say this and I'm done. I do believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I believed it for a long time. 
I believe that investing in the local church is one of the best investments you can make. I believe that a dollar invested in the local church goes amazingly far. And, uh, and this is the place where my family primarily practices generosity, all right? Okay, we're moving on. Our guideline for the book, or our guideline for the book, our guideline for the series is a book called Plastic Donuts, right? And you're like, plastic what? This donut is not plastic. Uh, somebody in the office bought it for me. It's actually a um, chair donut for certain medical ailments, but uh, <laughs> it's not plastic at all. It is scented, though, which is disturbing. Put that right over there. But this book, Plastic Donuts, uh, I've read it. It is shockingly good, all right? Uh, Dave gave me a copy to read. He's like, you gotta read this Plastic Donuts book. And I was like, Plastic what? Um, I've been a Christian my whole adult life. Uh, I have given to all kinds of different things, churches and non-churches and all kinds of charities. Uh, This book has really challenged my thinking and actually changed some of my thinking on some key points. Uh, some of that I'll get to share today. Some will come out in the next few weeks. Um, so I'll tell you more about that later on. But uh, what we have is we have a book, a copy of this book for every family in the church. Now, church funds did not buy these, all right? They were provided as a gift by some very generous people because uh, they know that it'll bless you. So the only issue is that due to a shipping problem, only half of them got here today. So uh, the rest will be here before next week. So if you are going to get it, because you take one of everything and you're going to take it home and put it on your shelf and cover it with stuff and not look at it until the end of summer, just get yours next week, okay? <laughs> You'll read it eventually, but just not, you know. But if you're going to look at it this week, then get one, all right? We've got enough, we're okay. So get you one on the way out today. So what is the deal with plastic donuts? What, like, how does that even come about? This, it comes from a story from the guy that wrote the book, Jeff Anderson. And he's, he tells the story... He had a nine-month-old daughter, right? Anybody ever have uh, or ever see a nine-month-old? Like 12 of us, okay, that's good. <laughs> so he got this nine-month-old daughter, right? And she comes over to him and he's working, he's hard at work doing whatever it is that he does. He's hard at work and his nine-month-old daughter comes over to him and she smiles, she looks at him and she gives him a little plastic donut out of her little kitchen set. You guys know the kitchen sets I'm talking about? They've been making them since like the 1950s. They got bacon and eggs and sandwiches, right? And a little plastic donut. And she thought, my daddy would like the donut. And so she came and she gave it to him. And here's the problem. He bought her the kitchen set, right? Here's the problem. It doesn't actually taste good. It's plastic, right? He doesn't need a plastic donut. But he talks about how delighted he was to get a gift from his daughter and how excited she was to give it to him. And he said for the first time, he experienced just a little tiny glimmer of what it was to be a good father who has a a child that gives you gifts, right? And so he took the donut. He's like, oh, this is so delicious, right? So she ran off and got him some lettuce or whatever else, you know. She kept feeding him. And uh, he tells that story in the beginning, but he says that started him thinking differently than he'd ever thought about his money, about his, not even his money, about his relationship with his father. So I'm going to read you uh, a short passage, and then um, when I'm done, we'll go home, because, no, I'm kidding, it's not, it's a short, short passage. All right, he said, I didn't see it coming, but at that moment, it occurred to me, this is how our giving must feel from God's perspective. Our gifts to him are like plastic donuts. God does not need our gifts or our money. But like a child's gift that moves her father, our gifts can get God's attention. 
For my father, the feedback from our, in, from our interaction inspired continued giving. If I'd not paid attention to her or had withheld my delight, she would have stopped. She was learning about the power of a pleasing gift and learning about connecting with me as her father. Meanwhile, I was learning about God and how to better connect with him as my father. For years, I'd thought a lot about the receivers of my gifts, my church, my neighbors, my chosen charities, and I'd studied the benefits that come to me as a giver. But I hadn't given much thought to my gift from God's viewpoint. Could it be that God desires a plastic donut experience when I give to him? And what about the thrill my daughter received when she saw the joy in my face? I had never before pictured the act of giving as something that elicits such delightful reactions. Had I been missing opportunities to connect with God in deeper ways? Suddenly, I could understand my giving from a different perspective. Now, I've got to say, the book has shaken me up, shaken me up a bit. I have been on kind of a stable path uh, for a long time. I've had this part of my life on autopilot, and I'm doing some reevaluation right now. So I don't actually know how it's all going to shake out. We're, my wife and I are thinking about it and talking about it, and we're just going to kind of see what happens. So a few weeks ago, I was having lunch with a, uh, a young guy here in the church. Uh, he's young, he's just about to get married. And, uh, and so we're having lunch at Thai Nam Tip over on uh, North Bend Road. Anybody, Thai Nam Tip? Two of us, okay. You guys gotta get out. <laughs> so we're talking about rent for the new apartment, right? We're just talking through life. And he looks at me, he leans across the table, he looks at me, he's tw- 22 years old. He looks at me and goes, okay, tell me about the tithing thing. I was like, we tithe. What do you want to know? He said, explain to me this. Why do you pay the church and then the church also pays you? As you're the preacher, you're a preacher at a church. I was like, okay, well, that, that's true. He's like, so, so what you should do is just like take a 10% pay cut and then just like call it, call it square. You don't have to do anything. I was like, that's technically true. The thing is, he didn't realize, like, I work at a church, so I did both, right? <laughs> the pay cut and the giving. But... Uh, but, uh, but I said, I didn't think of that at the time. I wasn't sharp enough. I said, well, that, that would be the same on paper, but then I would miss out on the benefit of giving. And he, he looks at me, leans across the table, he goes, right. <laughs> I said, man, this is how it works, honestly. When you give stuff away, you benefit. If nothing else, it reminds you that the 90% isn't yours. God's entrusting to you to use it and to keep it and to use it wisely. All right, so you're, you're the steward or manager of somebody else's money, right? He looks at me, kind of nods, does one of these. He goes, yeah, I'm not there yet. Okay, let's talk about something less threatening. Tell me about the wedding, right? So we go, we, we shift gears, uh, and we talk about the wedding. We had a great conversation. But here's something that, you, that is true and you should write down, all right? God's economy is different, and it is backwards. Now, God's economy is different, and it is backwards. Everything about the kingdom of God is upside down and inside out. See, Jesus talks a lot about money, but the way he talks about money is bizarre. If you're a dollars and cents person, it can be very confusing, right? The way that God thinks about generosity is pretty much backwards to the way that I think about generosity. I think the way we think about generosity. Here's a story Jesus told, all right? He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said, you also, go out and work in my vineyard. I'll pay you whatever's right. So they went. 
He went out again around noon and around three in the afternoon and did the same thing. At five in the afternoon, he went out and found others standing around. He said, why have you been standing around here all day long? Because no one has hired us, they said. He said to them, you also, go work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired at five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius, a day's wages, like a full day's wages for a working man. The, the people who got fired, hired at five in the afternoon, they got a full day's pay. So when those, who came, those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a, denar- a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, right? Then you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And then he says this line that's become a famous line. So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now I hope you get that the parable is about money but it's not really about money, right? Last week, if you were here, James Hansey uh, did a great job. He, said, he just kept talking about it. It's about food, but it's not really about food, right? This parable is about money, but it's not really about money. The last will be first, the first will be last. This is not, a t- this is not talking about salary. Jesus is the great leveler. He loves everybody equally. So this week, my son... This one. This week, my son Isaac, who's four, who is currently obsessed with Donkey Kong 64, because we do screen time, but it's 20 years uh, late, right? So he's just now getting to Donkey Kong 64. So he's obsessed with Donkey Kong 64, and he always talks about Donkey Kong 64. But out of nowhere this week, he's talking to me, and he stops, and he says, Dad, why does God love me? I was like, oh, right? I said, well, he loves you because you're his kid, and you're always going to be his kid, and so he's always going to love you no matter what, just like you're always my kid and I love you no matter what. And he's four. He said, even if I'm bad? I said, yeah, buddy, even if you're bad, you don't stop being my kid. So I will love you no matter what, and so will God. And he made this face he does when he's excited. He goes like this, he goes. (laughs) It's cuter when he does it. He looks like this. It's cute, right? I just wanted an excuse to show my kid. So, but back to the story of the workers. It's backwards, right? Because if I was the boss, I'd give bonuses to everybody who was there all day long. But the landowner pays everybody the same. Some people want a greater reward. He says, no, 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 no. I get to be generous. I'm giving you all the same thing no matter when you started to follow me and do my work. The last will be first and the first will be last. And the same thing happens going the other direction. Right? That's kind of a top-down thing. The same thing happens going bottom-up. One time, Jesus walked into the temple, and he watched people donating their money. Right? Like, imagine if we got rid of the app and the e-giving. You couldn't mail a check. We just put the blue boxes right here, and everybody had to come up and, like, drop theirs in. That wouldn't be awkward at all. Right? So Jesus is with his disciples. They're kind of in their back, and they're just watching everybody do the thing. Luke 21, 1 through 4 says this. And Jesus looked up. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, like two pennies. Truly I tell you, he said, 
this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. See, one guy wrote a check for 10 grand, and this little old lady on fixed income puts in two cents, right? And he looks at the lady who put in the two pennies, he goes, now that's what I'm talking about. That's impressive. That's what we need more of around here. And the temple accountant's like, actually, Jesus, we really could use some more of the 10 grand checks, right? Like, that's what we could really use. Jesus is like, no, 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 I need more people giving the two cents. <laughs> so, because God's economy is different. God's economy is backwards. It's upside down from what we're used to. So that makes me feel good, you know, because it's all about the heart. My family doesn't have a lot, but we give faithfully, right? We set aside a percentage of our income. I know, we, I know what I make in a year, so we just divide that by 12. Every month on the first, we give that amount, right? Before even I've gotten a check. Before I get my June check, I'll have given my tithe for June, right? We've got a system, it works for us, and honestly, we don't even think about it. I just, just like, this is what we do, right? But it feels good knowing that this part of my life is under control. I've got this box checked off. Everything's on autopilot. I was reading the book last week. This thought hit me like a ton of bricks. You think following Jesus is about checking boxes? Because <laughs> that's how religion works, right? We check the box that says we're doing enough, that God must be pleased with us, but that's not really how relationships work. A couple weeks ago was Mother's Day. Anybody know it was Mother's Day? Tough crowd, man, you guys. Imagine if I got home from church and I said, wife, here's the receipt of my expenses for Mother's Day. Um, uh, we got one card for the, from the kids, one card from me, I got you some flowers, here's what we're spending on dinner. As you can see, it is exactly in line with what our projected amount was for Mother's Day, right? I would be sleeping on the couch. Unless my wife's an accountant, then she'd be like, all right, right? But for my wife, she'd be like, nope, not happening. But instead what I did is I said, hey, why don't you get your Kindle, go in, the, go in the bedroom, lock the door. Kids and I have some stuff to do. So we clean the house, we clean the kitchen, we clean the kitchen, right? We clean the kitchen. I made dinner. We had a great dinner. We gave her the cards. She felt loved. We loved her. Everything was good, right? And it's like that with Jesus, too. It's not about a checklist, it's about a relationship. Being a, being a Christian can't be just about checking boxes. Following Jesus is about more than just checking boxes. This book made me realize that I've actually been checking boxes with my own giving for years. And I don't know where it's gonna shake out yet. I'm still, as I said, I'm still kind of figuring that out. I've had this nice, comfortable, comfortable like if I give this much, then I've met my requirements thing going on. And that's a terrible way to think about relationships. You ever notice how children start to look like their parents, right? Genetics, right? Kids look, look like their parents. And when your kid is good, you're like, that is definitely my side coming through, right? When the kid is bad, they're like, your child is having some problems. But if we're the child of God, and if God is generous, we should start to see generosity coming through in our own lives. So let's talk for a minute about how that would work practically, all right? Jesus beat up on the Pharisees all the time, right? All the time. And his number one criticism was always the same. You guys look good, but it's only skin deep. You guys put on a good front, but it doesn't go all the way to the bone, right? You put, in a, you put on a good show, but your heart's not changed. 
You give just enough for people to think you're generous, but it's just to gain people's approval or to gain God's approval. You don't do anything out of love. And that's true of any good or spiritual thing. What's on the outside, what's on the outside has to come out of what's on the inside, right? Call that authenticity, right? Because we can smell a fake a mile away. What you do, if it's authentic, it has to come out of who you actually are. What you do comes out of who you are. So are you nice to your coworkers or, uh, are you nice to your coworkers because you're a kind person or are you a kind person because you're nice to your coworkers? Are you generous because you give or do you give because you're generous? Jesus answered that this way. He said, out of the overflow of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is inside you naturally comes out. Apple trees don't have to try really hard to produce apples, right? That's just what they are and that's just what they do. So to close out, we're getting close to time. To close out, I have three different sets of messages for three different types of people in the room, all right? Uh, Before I say that, you should know that the only person at Whitewater who knows what you give is our financial secretary, Beth Maxey, all right? So I have no knowledge or no way to find out um, what anybody in this room gives. James Hansey doesn't know what you give. David Vaughn doesn't know what you give, all right? Your gifts are between you and God and Beth Maxey, all right? So that's, that's how that works. So if you're here and you don't give, uh, whether at Whitewater or anywhere else, if you're here and you don't give, here's what I want you to know. I'm not mad at you. I get it. I think most people are like my friends on the assembly line, right? They want to give. They don't, but it's not because they're selfish. It's because they're strapped. I've got more bills than money, right? Every paycheck's gone as soon as I get it. I get it. But here's the thing. There's never going to be some magical point in the future where you'll start being generous. Right? Jesus says we're trusted with a little before we're trusted with much. There's not going to, your expenses, you'll, if you get a raise, your expenses can go up too. Right? There's not going to be some point in the future where you think, oh, once I'm a grown-up, or once I'm in my 30s, or once I'm in my 40s, or once I'm in my 50s, or once I'm in my 60s, or once I'm in my 70s, then we'll be generous. It just doesn't work that way. Right? So I would encourage you to start building your generosity muscles now so that when your situation changes, you'll be ready to take advantage of it. Basically what I'm saying is you need to prioritize today the person you want to be in the future. Let me give you an example. My wife and I both paid for our own educations. All right, our parents were not able to help us with college. So we worked jobs and we took out loans. All right, anybody out there with college loans? A little more hands, okay. All right. Um, well, when my daughter was born, we were like, we don't want her to have to go through this, right? So we, we started to put, we wanted to put money aside so that when she would be in college, she would have you know, money for college. Um, the problem was we didn't have enough money to put money aside to give her money for college. So what we did is we put aside uh, $25 every month. Now, I don't know if you've been following the cost of college. Uh, recently, $25 is probably going to be like lunch money for her when she gets to college. Like, we're not paying her way through school with $25 a month. But what it is, it's a placeholder in our budget where we said, okay, we can't actually fund this line item of our budget as much as we'd like to. Maybe someday we'll be able to, but right now we're doing it as just to remind ourselves, like this is a thing that, va- that we value, this is a thing that matters to us, this is a thing we're gonna do, all right? 
And, and that could be a thing that you do, right? You, you pick some small amount as a placeholder for the future, even in your generosity, right? You think, my, Micah, my $25 or my dollar a day or my two cents a month or whatever it is that I do, um, it's not gonna pay the electric bill at Whitewater. Whitewater's got all kinds of expenses. It's like, well, that's probably true. I mean, two pennies a month from an actuarial perspective is not gonna pay the light, the light bill. But, so what? Who cares? That's not what it's about, right? The amazing thing about God's economy is that you can participate no matter what, no matter where you're at, because God's economy is upside down and backwards. In God's economy, some people here could give a dollar and outgive a multimillionaire. My second message is for people who give occasionally, right? My advice would be pick some percentage of your income and give it. You're like, 10%? 10% of the gross? 10% of the net? Right? I'm not going to fight about it with you. <laughs> I'd encourage you pick some percentage, whatever it is. And try to be disciplined and consistent in that. Maybe it's 1%, right? Maybe it's not the white water, but something. Decide up front, I'm gonna be a generous person and the way I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna decide what I'm gonna do and what I'm gonna give. I'm not just gonna wait and you know, when the Girl Scouts come around or when somebody's doing a fundraiser or whatever. Like I'm gonna decide ahead of time, this is what I'm gonna do. All right, so pick a percentage and be consistent. Let me say something to uh, these two groups. First off, I have never in my life regretted giving money away. I have regretted a lot of ways that I have gotten rid of money, right? I have bought some cheap things and thought as soon as I bought it, this was a mistake. I've also bought some expensive things and thought as soon as I bought it, this was a mistake. I have never once in my life given money to anybody, any cause, any person, any organization. I have never once given money and thought that was a mistake. Because the giving is its own reward. Second thing is, I'm not a TV preacher. All right? So um, I don't think that, like, if I, it's like, give, give money and God will bless you, right? I don't, I don't believe in magic formulas. Uh, I don't think that God is a genie. I don't think you can control him by doing certain things and then he has to do other things. I don't think it works that way. Uh, but there does seem to be this thing where when we are faithful with our finances, our finances tend to work out, right? I was going through pictures recently and I found a picture from 2002, which is 17 years ago, right? If my math is correct, 17 years ago. Anybody alive in 2002? And uh, 17 years ago, and it was a picture of my wife and I getting ready to go hiking back when we lived in Las Vegas. So uh, here it is, there's my beautiful wife. And in the background, you see a little red car that I bought used in 2001. That's a 99 Mitsubishi Mirage, and I am still driving it today. I didn't expect that to get a clap, but, uh, but here's the thing, like, it just keeps not breaking. Like we're, when my wife and I lived in Cincinnati the first time, we're like, if it could just last us, you know, until like 2010, right? And then we moved to Kentucky, and I was like, if we could just last us for this next two, three years. And we moved back, and we're like, if it could just last us till we got in the house. And it just keeps not breaking, and I don't know why. I don't know why it is. Like, that thing runs on gasoline and oil and the power of God, right? Like, <laughs> I'm still driving it today. It still drives great. So I don't believe in formulas. I don't believe in genies but my car still drives. So like, 
Do with that what you will. I'll tell you one more thing. I have done a ton of stupid stuff with money. And the worst part is that a lot of the stupid stuff I thought was smart when I did it. Anybody else do that? That got hands. So one thing that really helped me was the class Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. So we offer it regularly, um, but this summer we kind of got a cool thing going on. Uh, when I talk to people, I said, man, you should do FPU. Uh, when people say, no, I can't do it, it's usually one of two things. They either say, man, it's really, it costs too much, like it's, it's expensive. And it, it's, it's, there's a price tag on it, it's like 120 bucks to do it. Uh, or they tell me like, man, it's just like nine weeks long. I was like, when I did it first time, it was 13 weeks, now it's only nine. But, uh, but it's nine weeks long, it's kind of long, I don't have nine weeks in a row. I said, okay, well, uh, this summer we're doing very, two very cool spins on Financial Peace University, all right? Starting next month, right after the 4th of July, we're gonna offer an accelerated version of FPU that goes for five weeks instead of nine. So you get the full FPU experience in five weeks, and uh, there are a couple generous people in our church who have offered to pay uh, up to some limit, I forget how many, but uh, a, a large number of, um, of, the, of the membership kits, they will pay half. So if you were to go, instead of 120, it would be 60. Instead of nine weeks, it would be five weeks. You can sign up for that today. If you uh, go to the website, search for FPU, you can sign up for that. So I'm just gonna say that's been helpful for me. Do with that what you will, all right? Moving on. I have a message for people who are already being generous, and this is really for all of us, but especially for those who are being generous with their money and being generous with their lives, all right? And my prayer for you is that you can receive all the blessings of your generosity. Jeff Anderson has a quote in this book that I love, all right? I love it. I read it. I highlighted it. I read it again. I read it to my wife. It's, it's great. He says, singing a worship song is not necessarily worship, which is true. Right? Singing a worship song is not necessarily worship, and neither is writing a check. But when the heart engages in a meaningful way with a praise song or a hymn, it becomes more than just singing. And when the heart engages through a gift that matters, it becomes more than just writing a check. My prayer for you is that you experience that. Because once you see your gifts from God's perspective, once you see your gifts through the eyes of your Father, your gifts will never be the same. We started out today talking about a kid being generous. Let's watch a short video of some whitewater kids being generous. This is our time of offering. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God created everything. Doesn't it make sense that everything belongs to him? So everything we have is technically God's. When we have money and we give a little bit back, we think it's our money, but it's really God's money. When we're giving a little bit of it back, it helps us remember that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The money we have is God's, and we're giving a little bit of it back, and it helps us remember that and be thankful for that. What is offering? Dollars and pennies. Dollars and pennies. Yeah. And quarters. And quarters. And also dimes. And also dimes. Yeah. And nickels. And nickels. Why do you know them all? Do you know why we do offering time? Why? Because so we can give it to Jesus. So we can give it to Jesus. Yes. What do we use that money for? 
Thank you guys. Can I have high fives for being awesome, cheerful givers? Woo! And Mine what? was hard. Yeah, yours was hard. Woo! Good job, Cooper Taylor. Woo! Good job. That's great. Let me pray, and then we're going to close out, all right? Heavenly Father, you're good to us. We're thankful for it. Our generosity could never match yours, Father, but we are so thankful to follow a God who is generous, who loves us more than we deserve, who... Um, who never abandons us, never leaves us, and uh, who is a good father to us, who loves us no matter what. In your name we pray, amen. Hey again, thanks for joining us online today. You'll see links in the notes or the comments section to be able to let us know who you are if you're newer around here, and to give generously online if you call Whitewater home. Thanks for joining us, we'll see you next time.